Yeah, yeah, it's good. How you all doing this morning? You good? I know I look a wee bit different than Neil, but I think we kind of wearing similar shirts, similar bit of beard. I think I have a wee bit more grey. So do. Um, just before we begin, I, I just want to just honour Neil and, and Dave and Neville and just just the heart of these guys and what they carry and the DNA and just the heart that they have for this house and for you guys. Um, I've knew Neil quite a long time. Neil actually and Judith and, and Jenna and stuff were very influential in my early days as becoming a Christian. I think we met when we were 17, 18, um, and I made a decision when I was 18 actually to, to follow God. And all that. But, but the, the thing that really caught my heart was actually watching some of these guys actually have a passion and an affair for, at the time for me, was a distant God, it was just religion to me. There was no relationship. And so I began to see these, these guys live out something that was passionate and, and tangible and real. And so these, these guys, you know, I'm, I'm eternally thankful for the friendship that I have with Neil and his wife and some of the guys sitting here and just the example that they are. And I think, you know, these guys deserve just maybe just even a, a wee bit of a round of applause, just to, just to show our gratitude and, and thankfulness just for, for what they do and what they bring. So like I said, uh, my name's Mark. Um, I, have a, I have a long journey in kind of my 33 years, but I don't really want to get into too much of it. But I kind of want to bring you guys and some of the stuff just that I've been learning the last few while and some stuff that God has been speaking to me personally. Um, just so you know, that's, that's my beautiful wife down the back, Rachel, uh, and we, Gracie, who is just about to turn 15 months. Um, we also have another bun in the oven. Um, apparently there's something in the water. Around these neck of the weeds, um, Dave can vouch for that. Plenty of kids, um, but we're we're excited about what God's doing in this next season in our lives. Um, it has been a very challenging year, um, to say the, say the least. But we're extremely thankful for the path that we're walking down. Um, so, just before we begin, um, I just want to read a scripture to you, just trying to help kind of set the scene. And it's from Ezekiel 37. And it's titled this, The Dry Bones. It says this, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. And in it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, there were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Just lost my arm. First five, Alma. Yes. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. This word breath is actually, what it means is it's the, the idea of rao, it's, it's spirit, it's, it's God breathing life. It's the same word that when God breathed into Adam, this is the same word in this context. So, so God is actually saying, I want to breathe, I want to breathe life into these bones. It says this, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. 
And I'll leave it there. Today I want to I want to kind of unpack some stuff and share some stuff just that really has been quite personal to me. So if you can kind of journey with me, and if I say anything that's maybe a wee bit out of context or whatever, I hope that you have the grace just to understand that I've been walking along some stuff this last while that's kind of, I think, in some ways I'm still processing, I'm still healing, um, but I just want, I want to be honest and transparent. I think sometimes preachers get up here and you think maybe we have it all together, but actually I'm just the man. I'm imperfect. Um, God's doing something in my life supernatural as he, as he is in your life. Our lives are no different. We're all called. We all have the same mission and purpose if we're in Christ. Um, and so it just got me thinking that as people, you know, there's so much that goes on in our lives that shapes who we are. But God has an intention. God has a, has a design and a heart that we would walk in freedom and live in that out. But yet our experience on earth physically is that we experience so many moments and so many things that happen that in a, in a, in a single moment it can change the direction of our lives. A single moment, something negative, a, a word of hurt, you know, a relationship broken, sin that's, that's embedded in us just from birth, things that we don't even know, we've inherited them, things that shape who we are. And so it sets us on, on a track and on a road. And so I've felt this last wee while that God has just been really speaking to me about we, we all want to live free, don't we? We all, we all want to live as Christ has intended us to live. But there's this tension, isn't there? There's, there's, there's more that goes on. There's something that sometimes we can't quite articulate or we don't know why. Why do I do what I do? Why, why do I have those feelings? Why, when something happens or someone says something, does it stir up such negative emotion? Or, or there's, there's a deep wound there that I actually really struggle to even communicate with people because if I actually told people what had happened or what I'd done, there's this sense of shame. But you see, God doesn't want us to live like that. God actually wants us to walk in light and to live in freedom and fullness. And so as I, as I was preparing, it just it, it made me think that, you know, I'm actually quite blind. <laughs> so um, I'm without my glasses now, like you're very blurry in this room. But you know what? In life, sometimes we have to put on a, a lens, the lens of God to start to see actually that maybe our perceptions of stuff has actually become quite blurry. And actually what I perceive is actually not what God wants me to see. And so sometimes we look at things and actually we're full of self-righteousness, we're full of pride, we're full of stuff that actually God doesn't want us to look that way. And see, when Jesus was, was on earth, he actually told this story about the wineskins and he says that I want to pour my wine into the new wineskins, but the old ones basically have become brittle and I can't hold the wine. And so what, what Jesus was actually saying was, it's not that actually he needed a new wineskin, it's actually an analogy of, I believe it's about us, us as people, as vessels, that when God pours his spirit into us afresh, he's done a new thing, he's done something. But here's what happens. A situation, something we faced, we've maybe sinned, we've wronged someone else, someone's wronged us. And so we take that quite personal. 
And so I've just felt, I felt in my spirit just as I was preparing, and just kind of even Neil has, has clarified that this morning, that I feel there's, there's people in here, and as we, as we take this journey this morning, that God's going to start to reveal to you that actually there's something inside your skin that's actually made you quite dry. There's something actually inside that you're wondering, where, where's the Spirit of God in my life? wondering how did I get this place once so I don't know why I get emotional but once upon a time my whole being my first love was about God but I allowed stuff and things and relationships to fracture that and so I believe that in the process of God actually wanting to do a new thing. You see, God actually takes the wineskin and it goes through this process of actually being fermented. So God actually takes by the power of his Holy Spirit and begins to massage and begins to oil those places that once were so alive and so so fruitful, so fertile and so fruitful that God actually just wants to take you again in a fresh and say, do you know what, I just want your heart I want to be able to shape it and, and mold it and, and oil it. And so the process of actually making a new wineskin, is actually, it's actually a long process. It takes time, and it has to be in band, and it's not a quick fix. There's no, there's no set formula to get an A, B, and C, but actually God has taken all of us, when I say us, you, me, individually on a journey, that actually we have to be open to, that sometimes actually what God did in the past cannot be relived because God wants to do a new thing and it has to be a new wineskin and we have to be prepared to open our hearts up to let God do something afresh. Amen? Amen. You see, in Ezekiel it actually also says, it's in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. for those who take notes, he says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel great that I know that I have a God that actually when my heart's like stone, that he's willing to give me a new heart, that he's willing, and his promise is that he wants to pour into me afresh daily. It's not just a one-off event. It's not like salvation where, you know, we, we make that commitment. No, this is a process, a process of redemption of where God is actually bringing us back. He's buying us back. He's taking us to an even better than maybe what our original intention was. It's his heart that we would flourish and walk in all that he has. I was actually at a, at a worship event, I think it was a couple of months ago, and I, I was down with some of the guys from church, and... You know, I, I just love being able just to go to free worship events where just you can just be yourself. There's no there's no set agenda. You know, I don't have to wear a mask. I can actually just go in. I just want to encounter the presence of God, posture myself to Him, and allow Him just to move and speak. And there's something special about just those corporate worship times where they come together, and that's just what it's about. And so, I was uh, my friend David was was leading worship, and. Uh, I was just just in the moment, hands all up, just 
just loving the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, I just had this idea of just, I was like, I just looked down. I was like, oh no, the zip's open. <laughs> like, I mean wide open. <laughs> so I'm standing there like this. And the room was like an L shape. So there was people could actually were looking directly at me that weren't really engaging with the worship. And so I became all of a sudden very self-aware, self-conscious that, oh, flip, is this guy laughing at me because my fly's open? And I was like, ah. So I, I awkwardly, like, did not do So I kind of, like, <coughs> coughed and turned around and, like, zipped myself back up <laughs> and then carried on. But it just, it made me think that while that's quite funny, that I think there's, there's stuff that happens in our life that I think God needs to bring us to a moment where there needs to be this awakening, there needs to be this awareness where actually sometimes maybe we need to remove ourselves out of the moment of we're lost and actually shifting our focus. And maybe God's trying to catch our attention to something that maybe looks quite funny or maybe looks quite awkward. But maybe God's trying to say, actually, this is a moment where I'm trying to, I'm trying to awaken you because you need to actually see what I'm doing and what's going on. Are you with me? Yeah. And so this, this kind of train of thought got me, got me thinking more about, you know, I, I love that when I read about David, like David was known as a man after God's own heart. And often when I read about David, I think, I want to I be like that. I want to be known as someone actually who's after God's heart, who's after not only God's heart, but has a heart for his people and the nations. But also when we, on the flip side of that, we actually read stories. And what actually really made David different from Saul because David actually had a lot of great flaws, didn't he? David actually had a lot of, made a lot of mistakes, like quite publicly, you know, murdered people, committed adultery, you know, done some crazy stuff, but yet continue to be reminded that God keeps saying, you know, I have a covenant with this guy who is after my heart. And you see, I believe that actually with David, what really made him different was the fact that actually his heart was always postured to God. His heart was always aware of what God was doing. Even when he did something wrong, he was like, oh, I've lost the presence of God here. I need, I need to get right. I need to get back into that place where actually it's God's, it's God's goodness and kindness that actually leads him to repentance because he's never forgot about those moments despite what all went on in his life being on the run, a mad king, trying to kill him, people after him. When all this happened, he still always knew he had a God who loved him and a relationship, and that was more important than everything else. And so a few years back, just to link in with, I think these, kind of, these couple of things tie in together. Um, about two or three years ago, I got a phone call one day, saying, my mom's in hospital. I said, oh, you just think the worst, don't you, when you get those phone calls? Like, what's, what's going on? What's happened? Um, and it turned out my mom had had some minor episodes with, with her heart. So that's, in, in medical terms, she had had a heart attack, um, and it shows up in your bloods and stuff. And so the more I kind of thought about this and began to research, and sometimes I just like reading into things and, and trying to find out, like, what's going on. See, my, my mom actually showed no real symptoms of what was actually going on with her heart medically. Now, when you look at actually heart disease and, and what that can cause and, and how just severe that can be, often 
what happens is actually people have symptoms that actually you would never think are related to heart problems or heart disease or heart attacks or whatever way you want to call it. And so some of those symptoms can be, it can be back pain, it can be, you can feel anxious, it can be the odd time your, you, you know, your heart speeds up a wee bit, a bit of a, a, bit of a murmur, um, swelling and ankles. Now those are things that sometimes you think, is that related to your heart? Like, if that was happening to me, I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, I've got a problem with my heart, I need to go get this checked out. Often what happens is when people have those, those symptoms, they go to the doctor and get a short-term remedy or fix. And so they'll, they'll maybe receive some sort of medication. But you see, the problem with that is actually it doesn't deal with the real issue. It doesn't actually deal with what's going on. And so when my mom had had um, her, her episodes and stuff, what happened was actually, so a skilled surgeon actually, they put a dye in their system which runs all throughout her body, going through the blood vessels and the arteries. And so if, if there is a, is a blocked artery, or artery, just about to say that, um, what happens is then that day actually picks up the issue and isolates it. And so then a skilled surgeon is, is, is able to perform this intricate surgery where he inserts stints to allow the heart then to open up the blood vessel or the artery or whatever it's blocked and allow the blood to flow once again. And you see... I think that so often is true with our lives spiritually. You see, I think while, while yes, physically with my mum's heart, we weren't aware of an issue, but underneath the surface, when we began to dig deep, hi, hi honey, you all right? Go say hello. <laughs> She's good. Um, and so while, while, while there was no clear symptoms, there was something going on underneath the surface and so I think often what happens in life is that while we need this almost awakening moment that there needs to be this sense of actually I need to I need to go before God and say God there's something in my life just isn't adding up there's something when actually I begin to search my heart and begin to look a wee bit deeper that actually there's something that's being diagnosed that only God can deal with that there's, there's things out there that might be offered as quick remedies to, to you know, self-feed and, and self-help and, and all these things that the world offers or where sin tries to distort the truth. But actually what we really need is God to get to the root of the issue, isn't it? Because often our hearts are deceitful. They can even deceive ourselves. And so I, I believe that part of the journey that I've been walking, and I, and I hope it helps some of you guys, is that Sometimes when things happen in life, we can either take that moment and use it as a negative experience, or we can use that moment to actually and say, God, I want you to take this moment to actually, instead of it being a hindrance, to actually propel me into all that you have for me. Because God, it says in the Bible this, it says God uses all things for his purpose and good. All things. Now when we say all things, sometimes you think that's just all the good stuff. But actually, do you know what? The longer I walk this journey of faith, it's actually not generally the good stuff. It's the stuff that people don't always see. It's the mess. It's the stuff that where actually I thought I was going in this direction, but actually God had an intention that through some circumstances that actually I'm going maybe somewhere else, but actually it's God's heart for me because God wants me to learn how to deal with this stuff. He wants to, he wants to shape us as people so that we reflect more of him.
See, I, I think part of, the, part of the realization of actually when you begin to awaken to the reality that actually God wants to deal with some stuff, he wants to deal a wee bit deeper with the heart, that there's this process of, of cultivation where actually God wants to cultivate your heart. Um, now, that's, that's a process. I looked this up. There's a couple of terms here. And, the, and cultivation generally in, in the English dictionary, um, there's a couple of things. It talks about how we plant. Um, it's about tending, improving, okay, and generally related to crops where people are harvesting or whatever. Um, it also means this, that when you cultivate, it's to do with the preparation of the ground to promote growth, development, okay, also can be used um, when cultivating. It actually can be used as a term when there's social refinement in a society. Other thing is when it's linked to culture and refinement is this, that we assess the soil and begin to process, develop, and prepare it for use. You see, I believe that God wants to create in us as a people a culture that we're always cultivating, a heart towards him, that we never grow stale or dry or get satisfied with the norm. I've noticed sometimes the biggest killer can be complacency in my Christian walk. I get so comfortable with just thinking, oh, I've made it, I've got to the level where I need to be. But actually God often does his greatest work when actually we are a people who are intentional about creating a culture. And you see, culture is actually just really defined by who we are, what we do, what people see, taste, sense, smell. Culture culture is transcended through, you know, when people look at, at Grace Community Church or drop-in ministries, the, the culture of that, they, they judge the culture based on what they see and what they hear. And you see, God wants us to be a people who are constantly aware of that we're creating a culture. We're actually designed and made to create this culture, which is effectively just bringing heaven on earth. And that's, that's what we're called to do. But often I believe that one of the biggest obstacles we face in cultivation and creating that culture that God has called us to do is this, a religious spirit. I think the more, the more I've journeyed on, on my Christian walk and, and explored and seen different, many different types of church, I think religion comes in many forms and wears many masks, actually. And I think as, as a people, we need to be aware that actually I can actually be quite religious. I can carry that spirit of religion. I actually heard recently that, um, I think it was from the Global uh, Leadership Summit, that they were talking about this idea that, that people fall into these categories, that some people are wise, some people are unwise, and some people are just downright evil. I don't think any of us really want to be downright evil, but most likely that most of us will always fall into either both the categories of being wise, unwise, or we intentionally work towards being wise. And so what happens is this. When God is, is doing something in our lives, in our heart, the light is shone on us, is shone on whatever the issue is, whatever God's trying to deal with. Now, the wise person will say, okay, God, you've, you've revealed the light. Okay, you've, you've showed me something that there's a character issue, there's, there's a heart issue, there's something that I need to rectify. And so the wise person will say, okay, God, help me to walk this out. Help me to, help me to change. Help me to, to figure out what I need to do. 
Now, the unwise person, this is the really interesting thing, and we can all, we can all be guilty of this. When God shines the light, and we all can do this, on the unwise person, what do they do? They actually try to shift the light to suit themselves. And so if someone says to you, okay, I've, I've noticed, you know, you've been messing around in this area. I need a challenge in this. And what they do is they go, well, actually, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not, that's not what you're saying. That's not the right way of it. But when God points something out, all we can do is actually act wisely and say, okay, God, if you've revealed us, I want to walk that out. I want to be a wise steward. I want to, I want to grow. I want to mature. But the danger is whenever we're unwise is we actually just shift everything around. And see, the danger with that kind of religious spirit is we actually think we're right. We've got it all together. But it kills us, doesn't it? It actually kills our relationship with God. It kills our relationship with others. It causes dysfunction, disunity. And so as, as a people, God has called us actually to walk as wise people. So when the light is shone, that that's what he wants us to do. Not, not to, to turn away from it, to try and manipulate it, to try and swing it around so it suits my agenda. But actually we're doing ourselves more harm when we do that. Just to link in with what Neil had said. I just really felt there was, there was a couple of, there was a couple of terms just that really stood out to me this morning, just as I, I as I was preparing and, and praying and stuff. And this idea of actually redemption, which Neil had, had talked about during worship, you see, this idea of of redemption is that God has actually got us on a process where He is continuing to buy us back. It's not something we can do. That you see, we live in a society actually where we think we can always bear way out of things. We actually live in a society where it's really our idea of what debt is is acceptable, isn't it? Like how we spend our money and how we manage our finances. Often the case is it's acceptable to live in debt, isn't it? It's it's like it's just the norm. It's it's culturally okay. And so we have this mindset that, you know, when we go when we go to purchase things you go, okay, well, maybe I don't have the money. Maybe I'm already in debt, but we convince ourselves that we, we need it or we have to have that. Or, or it's okay, I can get a bigger loan and add more to the debt, thinking that somehow, magically, it's maybe just going to disappear. Don't we? We, we, kinda, we operate in a culture like that. But you see, this idea of redemption is completely against that. This idea of redemption is actually, no matter what I've done or, or did or tried to, spend and spend until I'm spent, God actually is always continually buying us back. God has paid for something in advance. His plan and purpose for us as a community is actually that he redeems us back. He redeems the land. It isn't just about the four walls of Grace Community. It's actually a greater, it's a greater calling that God actually calls us to be a to be a people who actually help activate. You see, the process of, of redemption, this, this is where it gets messy. When someone wrongs us, we naturally just want to wrong them back. But you see, the process of redemption with God is actually, we constantly have always wronged God, but he always does the right thing. He always loves us. He always forgives us. He always shows us grace. 
And so what God calls us to do is actually be a people who bring redemption into our land through when, when we're wrong, when we're told, when we're persecuted about our Christian faith, when my beliefs don't match up with society's beliefs, when they're, when they're slandering me, when they're calling me names, when they're singling me out in work, that actually it's our job actually to respond in the right way. That's actually part of God's plan and actually redeeming back people. All we can do is we can do the right thing and allow God's spirit to do the rest, can't we? I think one of the other one of the other big things is this that if we're going to be a people who intentionally cultivate a heart that is open, responsive towards God, is this that we need to be a people who are continually reconnecting with the heartbeat of the king. Let me just say it again. We need to be a people who are continually reconnecting with the heartbeat of our king. You see, we, we need to keep our wineskin fresh and, and oiled up and allow the Holy Spirit to have, it, have his place where he can whisper to us, where he can lead us, lead us into those places that maybe we don't necessarily want to go, but this is where God has called us to go. And so we need to be, we need to be attentive to the whisper and the heartbeat of our God. That that. For me, that is probably the most crucial thing as we walk in our Christian faith. That once the relationship is broken, religion then begins to take its form. It becomes about duty. It becomes about what can I do to get this and do that and achieve. And so when you're experiencing a lack of, a lack of the Spirit of God or you're feeling dry, it most likely has probably come down to the fact that there's probably some sort of religious spirit operating in your life or around your life. And so God wants us always to be a people who continue to cultivate his presence and cultivate a place where we can hear his voice. And so for me, that practically just looks like just daily things where I decide, right, okay, God, I'm going to have my devotion. I'm going to pray. And one thing I find that even works for me is that if I feel God is just speaking to me or saying something, I just take out my phone. I have a wee notepad on my phone. I'm sure probably most of you are seeing. And whatever God's saying to me, I just jot it down and be like, okay, God's, God's using this moment to say something to me significant or he's teaching me about something. And so I, a lot of the time is when I'm like sharing words or whatever, a lot of it's been through, it hasn't just happened on the day or been a week of preparation. It's actually been through a process of continual renewal, continuing you know, to connect with my Father in heaven who wants, to, who wants to impart into me something afresh each day so I don't end up stale. But life still, life still affects me. There's still things happen that, you know, that shape who I am. But all I can do is actually just control my heart and the condition of it because it's not my responsibility to control someone else's. All I can do is respond in the way that I feel that God is trying to lead me through the Spirit. See, I believe that's, if the church is going to bring real change and see real renewal, we have to be prepared to allow God to do something afresh. We can't just think it's Neil's job, Neville's job, Dave's job. We're actually all called to this together. When I read the more I read the Bible, the more I think, actually, are we doing church upside down? 
have we got it the wrong way around? Because actually God says we're all supernaturally gifted. We're all a part of the body. We all have something unique to give and do. But yet, when I look at what goes on inside church, and then look, and me and they were talking about this during the week, when I look outside, are we really seeing the transformational, miraculous power of the Holy Spirit working in our towns, in our cities, and in our land? That's just a question for you. You see, the responsibility falls on all of us, not just the people who maybe have a title or are paid. Um, this year, I ended up in a situation where I had some tough choices to make, and overnight we ended up with no church family, no job, not really sure where to go next. What are you doing, God? What's happening? And you know one thing I would say is actually it stripped away this idea and this, this, this thought pattern and process that I'd got into that if I'm going to do church work, I must be a paid staff member. <laughs> that, that's unhealthy. It actually had shaped part of my identity that when I was no longer a, a full-time paid pastor, does that mean I'm any less of a pastor? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I, I'd fallen so, so much into what was culturally acceptable within the four walls of church that actually it began to shape and define who I was, but actually God was saying, no, Mark, you're actually someone else. You're the son of the king. I have a plan and a purpose for your life, regardless of what maybe other people may say or what the circumstances have ended, ended up looking like. But actually as a family, we want you to be a people and want to release you into, into society and community that you can be a blessing, that you can bring renewal, that you can bring regeneration and redemption. And so regardless of whether now I'm thinking, will I return to potentially maybe working in church? I'm just thinking, do you know what? I'm going to enjoy every season in this next season. I'm going to enjoy what God's doing because God's doing something new and something fresh. But I could, I could easily miss that and be bitter and, and harbor and feel hurt and feel wrong and feel people owe me something. And don't get me wrong, I've wrestled with some of those emotions, but I know that's not God's heart and, and, and intention for me and my family because God actually wants to see us thrive and flourish and, and walk in, in a community with other believers and, 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 and actually process and live it out. And so just as, as we bring it to a close, um, I don't know what way you work it. Do you normally bring the band up or the band wants to rock and roll? I would just love to... I've just really felt like some of this stuff, all I can do is share the word of God and share what's going on. But I I feel like there's people in here this morning that God wants to redeem something that was, that has got lost. God wants to redeem something in your life that you actually believe maybe it's no longer even possible. You've actually maybe give up on the idea that Maybe God had a dream for your life. God had something more for you. But because of life circumstances, because of, because of situations, because of fractures in relationships or family, you think I'm not good enough anymore. You think I can't do this. God's forgotten about me. So what I'd love to do is, 
Can we all just stand just as we enter into this time of worship? Because ultimately this, this time is about you and what God is doing in your life. And so as we come to a close, if you're saying, God, I just want you to do something afresh in my life, just put your hands out like this, just to receive them. Just say, God, I want you to search and know me. God, you know the deepest parts of my being. Father, I pray into every life and every heart in this room this morning. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would do a new thing. Father, I pray where there's there's deep hurt and there's deep pain, oh God. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just come right now and minister into those places. Father, I pray just that your love would just overflow and overwhelm us, oh God. Father, help us to be a people who continue to posture ourselves, to listen to your word, to long for that whisper, God. Father, I pray that we would be so aware that when we enter into situations where your presence is not known or your presence is grieved or starved, Father, I pray that that would grieve us. Father, give us a heart for this land, God. Give us a heart for the people of Rich Hill, the people of Armagh, the people in Craigavon, the people in Lurgan and Portadown. Father, I pray, God, that you would do a new thing, God. Father, we don't want to look to the past for past blessings or, or what you did before, God. But Father, I pray that you would help us to be a people who cultivate a new thing. Father, I pray that we would be a people who actually set out to intentionally create a new culture. God, may we be agents who activate your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.